Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. We have Tavana Denise with us this week. She is my coach. Like if you guys remember back, I think she was on one of the first episodes of the podcast way back in April of 2001. So we're bringing her back because I have been working with her again recently. And I want to get into telling you guys all about that and how that's helped me. So Welcome back to the podcast, Tavana. Tavana is a master certified coach and intuitive business coach and growth strategist. Tavana is the person who motivated me, who opened up the space for me to create what we now know as the MFR coach. She's the one who inspired me to go to life coach school. She's the one who helped me to allow myself to step away from my hands-on practice and create safety in that being an okay thing to do. And she also challenged me to write my book and to become the MFR coach. She could see my passion before I could. And with her support, well, here we are. (laughs) Tavana, a lot has happened in the last two years. Holy shit. (laughs) Welcome back. How are you doing? Oh my goodness. Like my face hurts as I'm smiling, listening to all of that. I'm like, whoa, we did all of that. It's been a wild ride. And so, yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody wants to know, like, what's it being my coach? (laughs) (laughs) It is like following around or trying to play catch with a water balloon that has been doused with Vaseline. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. No, and I love it so much because I love how your brain works. It's like, it is, you're so intelligent and like aware and onto yourself about certain things. Mm -hmm. So it's to coach you more recently compared to when we started is like night and day. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was like, ah, all the thoughts. And then it's like, now you're so introspective and like I said, conscious and aware. And so sometimes now I'm just like, hey, wait a minute, let's stay right here where you are instead of let's run to the the reframing or the intentional model and all of these things, like the possibilities of where your mind could be. And so watching that over the last couple of years has been really special as Mm -hmm. you went from, it felt like lack of awareness to awareness to, oh, I don't like how any of this, this thinking feels. Let me change that to, oh, wait a minute. This is just a feeling. And I know where this comes from and it's not a problem. Let me just hold myself in this. And so just watching your awareness grow and your humanness, your allowance of your own humanness has been really special. I love that. I love that. So one of the first questions I have for you is, 
how can you hold space for people when they come to you so confused and unsure of themselves, like especially coaching me because I'm like a squirrel. (laughs) I like to think that I absolutely, you know, like hate feeling feelings. And still, even with that, I always have made myself do hard things. And I know the value of actually letting go and feeling for whatever that means to me in the the moment. And it's really paying off in my ability to help the people that I coach and how quickly I've been able to expand my MFR coaching business, which helps MFR therapists expand their businesses. But like, how would you say you're able to hold that space? Uh, Well, a couple of things. I think for me, it's been a journey too. In the beginning, my ability to see what's possible for someone has helped me. So when I came and I saw what you were excited about and I was like, the math is easy. I can see hundred K easy for you. Then that's how I did it before. And I think that got me, you, the clients that I had to a certain place in their business, because it's like, oh, okay, you can just borrow my belief for a minute and just do the things. But what you may have noticed and what other people notice as we grow to grow our business is I believe that Being in business is the self-development course that you didn't realize you signed up for. And it's going to bring up all of your shit and all of the things that you're not looking at in your personal life. It's just going to show up in your business life and your professional life. And so as I started to work on my own disallowance of my feelings and my humanness, then it was like before it was not okay to feel, it was not okay to not be okay. You got to do it or die trying, like get all the things done, check all the things out. And so I only could hold the space for that possibility and positivity. And now I can hold the space for all of the humanity, all of the humanness, all of the feelings, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable. I try not to label them positive or negative, but the comfortable or uncomfortable emotions as I've started to allow them for myself and not see them as something to shame or avoid. I love it. Okay. So a little background for those listening to us. I did a podcast a few weeks ago on evaluating my own brain. And the conclusion I came to then was that it was time to hire a coach again. And that was about the time I reached out to you. You Yeah. I'd really decided that the waiting and the trying to just like tight knuckle things (laughs) was costing me money and creating so much misery. So the stars aligned and Tavana was able to work with me and we started working together again in July. And I came to you with like a pretty specific thing that I wanted. I wanted to overcome that, like the miserable feelings that I was having or wanted to like maybe get more intimate with them. I don't know if that's what I would have said at the time. I wanted to be in excellent mental condition going into this big 200K mastermind that I had joined that was at the end of August. And luckily you were available and you helped me to get exactly where I wanted to go. And very quickly, we kind of uncovered my lack of safety in things as being like my lack of safety and being okay as one layer. And we tackled the idea of it being safe to feel rejection and disappointment and how being willing to feel those emotions can really be a key factor in someone's or my success in business or not. And then you said something really brilliant on our last call together about this. I believe it was something like you believe that if women practiced and were able to feel disappointment and rejection better they would be unstoppable. And this got me super fired up 
because that's exactly what you had just helped me do. So tell me everything. Like, why do you think this is so important to be able to specifically feel that rejection? And disappointment, right? And disappointment. Because, so either we're running towards or away from an emotion. That's, mm-hmm. that's just how it works. We're running towards pride or success or acceptance or we're running away from, in this case, disappointment, sometimes frustration, sometimes rejection. And we do all kinds of things to avoid Mm -hmm. sidestep uncomfortable emotions. So if we think about disappointment, so often, so many of us choose not to raise our prices. We choose not to launch a group program. We choose not to negotiate certain things because we are anticipating disappointment. So if I say, if I ask for the higher price, I know my services are worth X dollar amount. And if I ask for it, the person is going to say no, and then I'm going to feel disappointment. Whether or not we're aware that that's the conversation happening in our head, that's what's happening. And so we stop ourselves from potentially feeling disappointment because we haven't even asked yet, right? Like this is us just perceiving what might happen. We stop ourselves from asking for what we want because we think or we anticipate that disappointment will be, the feeling of disappointment will be the outcome. Mm. And the challenge with that is one, we don't have a crystal ball. And I like to say, if we're going to forecast things, using our crystal ball, why not forecast things that work out in our favor? Right. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, we just made up that the person is going to say no to the increased price and us making up that they're going to say no is what caused us to feel disappointed. And so rather than feel disappointed, we're just not going to ask. So we don't have to feel disappointment. And then we don't raise our price. And then here's the kicker. We feel disappointed in ourselves for not doing what we wanted. We feel disappointed in ourselves for not making the money that we want. We feel disappointed in our business for not charging what we know our services are worth. So some of the work that you and I did was like, okay, if this is about the feeling disappointment and disappointment is going to be present regardless, Mm -hmm. which one would you prefer? Because neither outcome is actually known. Right. But we do know that you will, if you don't charge what you want, make what you want, say what you want, you're going to feel disappointed. The other one is just the possibility of feeling disappointed. Right. So that was part of it. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating too, right? Like if we sit in that model of with the disappointment and it stops us from making an offer to someone or letting them know that you can help them because they might say no, the answer is automatically no. Like if you never say the words, the answer is always no. If you're willing to risk that disappointment or that rejection, you not only might get a yes, but you could still get a no, but like you might get a yes. And maybe if this one person is a no, the next person is a yes. And maybe you've then asked five people and it's still a no, but you're asking the next person, the next person is a yes. And the next 10 people are a yes. Like you never give yourself the space to even have that possibility. If you just stop at the first no, or you stop yourself before even saying the words to get the possibility of the no. Mm -hmm. So that's just so important that people see that, that that's what they're doing Mm -hmm. and keeping themselves spinning in that, ah, (laughs) or whatever the feeling is. Yeah. I mean, and I think some of the work that 
you and I did and what I do with other clients is like, let's take it the next step because certain emotions become uncomfortable for a reason. Like all emotions are not uncomfortable. So why is this one in particular uncomfortable? And when I think about rejection, since that was the other one that we talked about, Mm -hmm. especially when we're putting ourselves out there, we're making asks of people. They're not giving us money. They're giving us value for the value that we're providing to them, but we still are making an ask or an invitation of them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is a survival mechanism for us is to be included and to be connected. And so to, to be quote unquote rejected meant death to the primal brain. And so Mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense that a number of us have sometimes illogical fear of rejection. Yeah. Because so many times people can come to me and say, I know that I'm supposed to ask for, I know I'm supposed to charge for, I know, I know, I know, but I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. it's because we haven't gone beyond the brain into the body those of us who are body workers, I used to be a physical therapist, that we have disconnected the two. And so whenever something doesn't make sense logically, automatically I want to go into the body because what's present here? There's this fear of rejection. What am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you and I were talking about this topic and I specifically said humans raised or socialized as women would be unstoppable if we could get more comfortable with or okay with disappointment and rejection was because what I noticed, and this is just my observation, so feel free to test it for yourself, but men have been taught to desensitize themselves to rejection, to make it not be that big of a deal, where women are traditionally not put in positions that often to have to even be rejected. If we think about men, men go out and they ask women for dates. They Mm -hmm. ask women to marry them. And we as women are on the receiving end or the accepting end. He says, will you marry me? I say yes or no. Right. He had to ask me. I didn't have to ask him. Mm -hmm. And so when you were raised in society as a woman, you get to choose, you get to accept, you get to receive. And then when we go into business, we then kind of reverse the roles where we then have to ask or then we have to make the invitation. And it's just one of those things where we're one, not used to it. So the nervous system is on high alert, mayday, danger, death. Mm -hmm. And just not knowing how, we just don't have enough practice with it. And then if we add on the socialization of being a woman, it's like, okay, well, don't be pushy. Don't bother people. Don't be bossy. Don't be loud. Don't be all of these things. So it makes perfect sense that when we get into business, we would have some trouble with the ask around Mm -hmm. money and sales. And we haven't even gotten into the conversation about people's relationship with money. Right. Yeah. So it's really just if you have any awareness of yourself in these situations at all, you will do quote unquote better than someone who has zero awareness. This is without even like any tools on how to handle it. It's just having this slight awareness like, oh, I'm going to be uncomfortable when I start this business or when I change my rates because I'm going to have to ask this differently. And it's just not practiced yet. So it's like that willingness to have the awareness and the willingness to practice while you expand your ability to feel this discomfort of disappointment or rejection. Because these are just ideas too. It's like, 
not everybody experiences rejection or disappointment. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's not your go-to feeling for today's purposes. That's what we're talking about, but it could be a lot of other things too. Yeah. Like confusion, overwhelm, frustration. Right. Those are all just like offshoots though, probably coming from, those are just more practiced feelings for that person than the fear and rejection or rejection and disappointment. Yeah. I, I just think what I'm listing there are common emotions that I see that come up for business owners that can shut them down and keep Mm -hmm. them from taking actions that are in the best interest of their goals. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. Okay. So what do you think the consequences are for someone not like for this just to continually run on and not be addressed at all? (laughs) Well, the consequences are, so, I mean, it's, it's twofold, right? If you have been doing what you're doing and you're charging a certain rate and you are able to pay your bills with that rate, then you may never grow. Mm-hmm. Assuming that you're able to pay your bills or maybe you get overbooked or fully booked and you're burned out and you have no space for your life. So that's some of the consequences. Uh, some of the consequences are really the lifestyle that you want to leave and lead. And I think because I was a healthcare provider too, and a service provider, I know what that exchange is like when you start to feel resentful and you're like, this exchange feels imbalanced. And Mm -hmm. it might've been okay when you first started out in your practice, but as you go up the ranks and you take, you get more tools and you get more skills and you have more experience and you can get to the root of the problem quicker. After a while, it just doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good to charge the amount. So then what are you left with in terms of consequences? Do you stay the same and have that resentful feeling of like, I'm not getting paid what it's worth? Mm -hmm. Or do you take on more people? At a certain point, you're going to get maxed out when you work one-on-one with clients and and patients and stuff. Yeah, totally. Okay, so for everybody listening, like really you're probably going to listen to this episode more than once. (laughs) Like there's some complexities in here that I really want you to hear. And that part where like, when you start to feel that resentment or there starts to be a shift in your business where doing the bare minimum or having the bare minimum of clients is no longer cutting the mustard. Like you've got to either do a price increase or you've got to cut your hours or something's got to give in order for your quality of life to still be expansive Or alternatively, like if you haven't yet thought about, are you living to the capacity that's available for you in your life? Like what else is possible for you? And do you want those things? Have you allowed yourself to dream? And as what you're currently doing, creating the possibility for you to realize those dreams? Because I think a lot of people wait, like they're just waiting for their life to get better. They're waiting for retirement or they're wait. There's just this like, waiting that's happening. I was doing that too. When I met you, like, God, thank God I met you because like, it never occurred to me that I could make a hundred thousand dollars in my MFR business. Right. And I never did, but I became the MFR therapist or the coach to MFR therapist. That's now like lots of people are doing that. It's like no longer not, it's a thing now where that's just normal. Yeah. It just makes me think of the guy that ran the four minute mile. Uh, Roger Bannister, because Mm -hmm. once he did it, then it just became a thing that people did. And it it was more than just like, oh, you just ran one mile. Now people run 
multiple miles under the four Mm -hmm. minute mark. So yeah, I think at some point, someone has to go first. And I think part of the conversation is around showing yourself that it's okay and creating safety to, and this is interesting because I was just having this conversation with another client just this morning around connection with family Mm. members. And so sometimes when we decide to go first and we decide to be the best or the first or the most expensive or whatever, we're out front and it feels terrible sometimes Mm -hmm. because we're like, oh my gosh, I'm by myself. Everybody's going to hate me or leave me. And that disconnection again equals death to the primal brain. And so part of the work of being around other people who can hold the space of possibility for you is like, okay, how true is it really that I'm going to be by myself? No, because this person is right here standing with me saying, I'm here. It's possible. I don't Mm -hmm. think you're crazy. I don't think it's unrealistic. I don't think it's unreasonable. Yeah. So good. And that's the power of investing in a coach and investing in someone who can hold that belief for you and also have a hand on your back and be like, I'm here too. You're not actually alone doing this. And we've gone through all of this stuff and all of the things that can go wrong and all the things that can go right. So it's 50-50 here, or it's not even 50-50, I don't think, but like, which path do you want to go down? Do you want to try to get it, have everything go right? Or do you want to focus on all the things that can go wrong? I think that too has been like a huge shift in my brain, whereas like I used to totally have to go down all of the things that could possibly go wrong in every situation. And that really slowed me down. It slowed me down in really simple areas and even in areas of fun, like planning vacations. Oh, well, we might die in a car accident. So we should probably fly. Well, the, let's see, what are the chances of the plane going down? Just, you know, like I remember Koji, right? On yeah. Or like if my kids were going to go somewhere without me and just the terrible spiral I would go down it almost seemed super necessary and like preventative. And, you know, my son just left for a week long elk hunting trip. That's like not even very planned and very last minute. And I am like, I slept totally fine last night. It's amazing, but like, that's a huge win. And that's like a byproduct of coaching. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing that maybe we don't talk about enough as business coaches Mm -hmm. in terms of like both you and I are certified as life coaches as well. So Mm -hmm. it's not like when you work with one of us, you're not just getting a business coach or really a business mentor that's going to tell you what they did. You're getting a person that can look beyond just the business into your brain, into your life and help you with other things. And so even if you and I hadn't specifically worked on some life stuff, Mm -hmm. the positive side effects of doing this work just go into relationships and how you talk to your kids and Mm -hmm. how you deal with your husband and like all of the things. And so I just love coaching in general for that. And I'll just go back to what I said before that business is the self-development course that you didn't realize you signed up for. Because when we're talking about business, we're usually talking about something that's touchy in another area of your life. And if we can get comfortable with it here or at least aware of it and start to pick apart the validity of whatever this thing is that we're afraid of, then we calm down in other areas of life too. Yeah. 
Okay, Tavana, do you want to walk us through maybe an exercise that we could do or that someone listening to this could do that brings them into their body to experience rejection and survive it? Okay, so let's take one of the things we've been talking about is let's say price increases. So increasing our prices. And one of my favorite things to tell people is if you can't say it, you can't sell it. Mm, Love it. (laughs) And so I think a simple exercise that you can practice is, okay, you're charging $1 amount and you want to go to another dollar amount. Before you even have the first person in front of you that you want to say this to, literally go to a mirror and practice saying, this is how much it costs for the session or for a package of six or however you sell your sessions and notice what happens in your body. You may be unable to actually get the words out. You may say it and giggle. You may say it and call for half to clear your throat. You may not get to say it, but or you, maybe you do say it and you feel sick in the pit of your stomach. One thing to do is practice, say the price or attempt to say the price and notice what happens in your body. So good. Yeah, because as you do that, you're like, oh, I giggle every time I say it or I clear my throat or I feel sick in my stomach. And then, for example, if it's the sick in your stomach, let's say for a number of people, and this might not be your exact example, shame lives in the belly. So if you are feeling sick in your stomach, it could be the next step to simply ask, well, what is this that I'm feeling? Like, what is it really? Yeah, yeah. what is this really? Because saying the price was one thing and then the stomach showed up as the second thing. So what is this that I'm feeling? And just listen, just be quiet and listen to, to the answers that come back. I feel ashamed. I can't possibly charge that much. Nobody in my family's ever made that much before. Who do I think I am? I'm too new. Like let all this stuff come up mm-hmm. and just hear it out. Say, yeah. okay. Sometimes I like to do this with clients too. When we have these things that feel irrational or illogical, if you have a child, I just ask you to think about your child and if they're afraid of something, how would you respond to them in that moment? Yeah, like with kindness and compassion and you'd probably hold them or walk them through it or... Mm -hmm. Right, just listen. Create safety for them. Yeah, just listen, yeah. It might be just listen. So you can do the same thing for yourself. Like you go to say your price and then you say it and then you notice that you giggle or you notice that you hesitate or you notice whatever. Plus then you feel in your body to see like, well, how does your tummy feel? Is your jaw tight? Like where are you feeling any kind, anything in your physical body? Mm-hmm. And then just allowing all of the thoughts and everything to keep coming up without like the thing I'm really noticing in how you are saying this is like, there's no rush to fix anything. It's like, nothing's gone wrong here. We're just allowing the space to observe this and not judge it. And also like be so kind to ourselves while we're kind of unwinding what's going on within us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of the time we wouldn't cut off our children if they're saying, I'm afraid of this. And you would like, cut them off. That doesn't make sense. Look at that. We wouldn't do that. So we would just hear them out, listen to all the things they have to say. Maybe it's just listening is all they need. Maybe they need a hug. Mm -hmm. Maybe 
you just say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because sometimes it makes sense what your brain is offering and it's giving you something that you need to pay attention to or account for. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you need to show from that adult point of view where the child is missing some information. Yeah. Yep. And same for yourself, right? We observe things that happen to us. We don't always get all of the facts, right? But we are really good at getting all the drama. So like when we can separate the drama from the facts, then it's much easier to make decisions and to respond from there versus like reacting from the drama. So, okay, so good. So someone does this, they they practice saying their price out loud or price change that they want to make they feel into their body, they feel their stomach kind of getting yucky or whatever's coming up. What should they do after they have this awareness? Well, that's the part where they then are looking at just listening and soothing and it's okay. Or I'm going to address that. A Mm -hmm. simple to do, like if you want a more concrete example of an exercise would be something that that I learned from Tim Ferriss called fear setting. Instead of goal setting, fear setting. So as your brain is listing all of the things that could go wrong or why they shouldn't do it or whatever, then you get to answer back is like, if this happens, then I will. So Mm. if this happens, then I will blank. And you get to do whatever your brain came up with, you address it. So, oh, okay. Thanks for the note. If that happens, this is how we'll address it because the brain is designed to foreshadow and forecast danger. So a lot of the times when I'm working with a client, we are holding the space for all of this stuff to come up. That's why I was saying it's, you don't want to try to reframe it or come up with a positive affirmation too quickly because your brain is very smart at figuring out okay, what could potentially go wrong? And if we don't shut it down and we acknowledge it, but don't listen to it, like, okay, this means don't do it, Mm -hmm. then we're going to get some very key information that will then help us figure out what really essentially our next plan uh, of attack could be. Okay, so good. Okay, so I think that that's really good. And there's enough information in there that people could be listening to this, maybe like re-listen and really start to notice what happens inside of themselves in certain situations. They can practice observing it, being compassionate, listening to it and reframing it or answering the question, answer all of your own questions. If this happens, then we'll do this, right? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then what about like, what advice though would you give to people who are adamantly opposed to feeling feelings or that they think that this is like a waste of time? Would you even spend time trying to convince them? Or maybe we should speak to the people that are on the dotted line with this. (laughs) I was one of those people. So I get it. I feel like I was too. I like felt like I knew it all. I'm like, oh, I'm a body worker. I, I do all this unwinding and screaming and, you know, all this feeling in sessions, but Outside of that, I don't really. So, yeah, because I was pretty much like, nobody has time for that. (laughs) (laughs) We got stuff to do. I can't be over here crying and stuff like, no, you know, to to me, the people that emoted, the people who were very emotional, like they didn't get anything done. And Uh I was like, I don't, I can't be like that. And mm-hmm. what I've I've found, and then sometimes when I coach people that they're like, I can't open up Pandora's box. I'll never stop mm-hmm. if I start, which is 
actually kind of true <laughs> because I started crying a couple of years ago and haven't stopped. But I mean, you're not currently crying right now. Like you're still this fully functioning, right? So that's also fully... like just, just an idea that you won't stop. Right, right. Because in the grand scheme of things, even when you're crying your hardest, you run out of tears at some point. So yeah, you can like... still function fully in your life. Yeah. Oh, totally. So just like really, again, questioning the validity of that. Is that really, really true? Yeah. And I I think if it feels too difficult for you to get with someone who can help hold the space and walk you through that, Mm -hmm. because what I have often found is usually a five or 10 minute process. And once they get past that 10 minutes, all kinds of ideas come and all kinds of excitement. And it's like, we let the tears out to have space for other stuff to come. If it's the crying, right? Yeah. If you are on the fence about feeling your feelings, I would just say, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Like, are you able to do everything that you want to do and not be exhausted after? Because there's a difference between avoiding the emotion, which I was very good at. Let's just mm-hmm. bulldoze Me past too. this thing, yeah. push it down because we got stuff to do. Yeah. And then be exhausted by the work that I had to do to push the emotion down. Mm-hmm. So we can do that. And it just doesn't feel good. So you might get the work done, but you're exhausted afterwards. And so how sustainable is that? So you got to ask yourself that question as well. Mm -hmm. I think too, when you're doing that, it opens up, you just get so much, much more clarity about what it is that you want to do too. You know, for instance, like when you're feeling stressed out about your schedule being full, it's like, okay, what about the fullness of the schedule or the amount of clients is actually the problem? Is it because you want to be doing something else that day and but you just haven't like voiced it or decided what that is? What exactly is the problem? And when you can get really clear and you usually can get more clear when you're not so clouded in avoiding the feelings or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the tendency would be like, well, I feel stressed out. So I'm just stressed. And the only thing I have available to me is quitting or not working on this day versus like, oh, well, what if you worked every other weekday, you know, whatever, and you scheduled in the things you wanted to do every other day, you know, like say you had stuff you wanted to do on Tuesdays, but you're fully booked that day and you want to kind of work your way out of being booked on Tuesdays. Well, you just slowly start to do that or you make a decision and it's like, okay, after October 1st, I'm not working on Tuesdays anymore. No problem but we'll like perseverate around it and like not do it and then be resentful and mad. And then of course, every single client you have wants to book on Tuesdays, right? That's just how it works. Cause that's all you're thinking about. And that, you know, your thoughts create your results. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes that will work. We will change the circumstance of the situation because we're trying to run away from the emotion But what we lose when we do that is the ability to show ourselves that we can feel the feeling, that we can have access to the emotion emotion and perhaps change our schedule Hmm. or rather than just stay in the resentment. So I don't know if that's coming out clearly, but I think one of the benefits of learning to do this work is so that we're not running away from and avoiding ourselves in the potentially uncomfortable situations that come up in our lives because they're going to be ever present. Like we're going to have stuff for the rest of our lives that feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so are we going to want to be at the mercy of having to change the circumstance every time we butt up against an uncomfortable emotion? 
Or do we want to be one of those people where we teach ourselves just much like lifting weights? Okay, it might be difficult to deadlift 250 in the beginning, but the more we do it, it's like, oh, I'm one of those people that can deadlift 250. Yeah. But we never get there if we never start somewhere. So true. Yeah. I just recently have become someone who likes to work out. Go figure. Like I have spent 43 years being like, I hate working out. I just absolutely despise it. And now that I am doing it four times a week and I have for the last, since January, I actually kind of like it now. Super funny. I've expanded my capacity to have a likability towards exercise. Just like you're doing with emotions. It's yeah, it's the same idea. It's the same idea. And it's like flexing the muscles. You've got to use your biceps over and over again, doing bicep curls and other bicep exercises before your biceps are actually gain any strength. And it doesn't when you do the bicep curl, like the it's you just increase the weight. It doesn't become any like it's not necessarily easy. We just increase the weight. And so this is how we see the people that are the most successful in the world. They have so much is because it's not that they're walking on clouds every day. They just have increased their capacity to be with the emotions or deal with the situations that the rest of us haven't yet. Yeah. Their tolerance has built up. So like they could easily do five pounds on the bicep curls, but They want a different outcome. So they're doing 75 pounds now, but they didn't start out at 75 pounds. They started out at five or wherever you start, right? I don't know how any of that works, but you know, I'm not a bodybuilder. I do lift weights. So it's just the same, you guys. It's easy. It's an easy analogy. So just take it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, my brain sometimes it's cute. That's the other thing too, though, like with this work, with working with a coach and like, being a coach and working with lots of people now, like I just think that's so funny and just awesome is our problems are almost are very similar. So, so if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, Oh, something's gone wrong. Oh, I need so much help with this or whatever. It's not that something's gone wrong. It's like, Oh, here's an awareness. Do you see the value on the other side of getting this kind of help and seeing how much money it could make you if you are willing to feel your feelings and observe your emotions, observe yourself in a different way without having to make it mean that you're an awful, terrible person or that anything's gone wrong, nothing's wrong with you. There's so much value in being able to observe yourself in a different way and make decisions from that space versus there's a right way and a wrong way. And there's only one way to do it right. And this is, you have to hurry up and make it work. And this franticness to building a business versus what if it doesn't take a lot of time? What if it's easy? What if there is a way to get fully booked faster than you ever thought? And it doesn't require you to do more work and more hustle. Amen to that sister. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's, so much different feeling when you feel like you have to hustle and things don't aren't fun anymore, or you're doing things you don't like, but you're not even sure why you don't like it. And you're just fighting against it the whole time. Yeah. I really think the more that I am on this side, I think the hustle comes from trying to outrun our uncomfortable emotions. And we think that we could do enough to feel worthy of the life that we want and the money that we want and all of these things. And I mean, I I would just encourage you to try it for yourself. 
Let's consider this an experiment and mm-hmm. you go try for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm yeah. just asking you to go try for yourself. Just try it and see. And also, P.S., what I see in my group coaching programs is like the people that are willing to be vulnerable, that are willing to risk rejection and that are willing to get it, do it wrong before they learn their recipe for doing it right, are the ones that are creating fully booked faster than they ever thought possible. They are the ones pulling down 10, 11, 12, 13K months, 100K years, and taking six to eight weeks of vacation and going to as many seminars as they want. They can do these things. They held a vision for themselves that it was possible, like, or I held it for them before they knew it was true, (laughs) you know, one or the other, maybe both at the same time. And that's really fun. And for the people that aren't quite there yet, also nothing's gone wrong and it's just as available for them. It's like they're one thought away from unlocking all of that. And some of that thought is in the resistance to the feelings work. They're not quite doing it. They're still like doing a lot of the actioning without the action of feeling feelings. It's like everything but that part. Yeah, because the way that I think about it, especially for those of us who came from corporate America or wherever you came from, if you got rewarded by doing the things that were set out for you by somebody else, Mm -hmm. it is a total switch when you go into being in business for yourself because there are so many ways to build a successful business. And so that is the mind fuckery that happens (laughs) yeah because it's like oh the world is my oyster I get to make my own decisions and most of us got into our own business because we wanted to have time freedom financial freedom flexibility and then we get into the business where we have all of that as an option and then we want somebody to tell us what to do and it's like which one is it do you want freedom and flexibility or do you want somebody to tell you what to do yeah like what would you do if you were the boss what would you decide? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. That's, I mean, you did a lot of that with me when we first started coaching. It's like, what do you want to do? How do you want this to end? Like a year from now, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And you really like forced, not forced, but you encouraged me to see the bigger picture and to actually get very clear on what the result I wanted was. Cause I had no idea in the beginning. I had no idea the first time we met, I was going to sell my boat so that I could afford to have you as my coach. I had no idea that I was going to shut down my business within a week of meeting you. Like none of that occurred to me. I did not tell you to shut down the business. No, you did not. That was like me. I told you, I was like, oh, I just decided I'm going to do this. And I'm going to go to the life coach school. That's another 20 K no problem. Like apparently that was a really expensive boat I sold, which is not the truth. Well, I think you you just alluded to something that not a lot of people talk about is your ability to make decisions. Mm. Yeah. Period. Not a lot of people are willing to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And so you deciding like, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do is I think one of the things that has helped you to grow so quickly. Yeah, I agree. 
it was interesting. Matter of fact, how we talk about how you do anything is how you do everything. You sold the boat and then you told Abe. You told like you. Well, I you mean, t- I told him before I did it, but I had already decided that's what we were going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The, yeah. the language is you decided to tell and then you told him this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And you decided to write the book and then just ask for a little bit of help of like, OK, how do I organize this? And then mm-hmm. you went and did it. So I think decisiveness is one of the things that helps people grow the quickest. And I don't want you, if you're listening to this, to think, oh, she has it and I don't. And therefore I can't do what she did. Right. I personally believe that decisiveness is, or making decisions is a skill mm-hmm. that can be learned. Yeah. And I may have come into that, like with some ability to make decisions, but it, my ability and capability of making decisions and knowing when to make one and when to make a different decision really caught on fire based on the skills I learned starting to work with you when I became a coach and like just from trial and error too along the way. But I think it was like my willingness too to feel what happens when I go to make a huge decision and there is no guarantee that it's going to work out, but my decision that I will make it work out. Mm-hmm. So that might mean making a new decision after like it might be making lots of decisions along the way that make it look a little different than what I thought it was going to be in the first place and not make that mean anything's gone wrong. So yeah. And I think my husband just holds on for dear life and is like, holy shit, what are we doing next? And hopefully the consequence for him eventually down the road will be that he doesn't have to work anymore because I will have created a million dollar business that he gets to come and work in and or not, maybe he'll be retired. But yeah, I know we had to make these big ideas to pull money out of a 401k at one point to help finance the MFR coach. And he was like, what? It's not that he asked what I was doing. He just like all of his fears about it came out during that conversation. And I was like, yeah, we might lose a hundred thousand dollars, but I might create a million dollar business. Do you want to bet on me or bet on the hundred (laughs) K? Right. And he was like, I'm going to bet on you. And I'm like, and then we have the rest of our lives to like make a hundred thousand dollars back. We will do it. So like you have to constantly figure out the things that help you feel that safety. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just like, I think back to myself then (laughs) and I'm just like, wow, like she really didn't know anything that I know now. And she was able to do that. That's cool. (laughs) I'm like very thankful And I mean, like, I think I could have done it later, but that was the time. That was the perfect opportunity to create all of this. It's like right on time. So good. Always. Yeah. So side note, everybody, (laughs) I'm not sure how we got talking about that, but that's so good. So, okay. So I'm glad you came today and talked to us. I'm super thankful. Like whenever my brain is, you really need to talk to Tavana. You really need to talk to to Tavana again. And it's so fun to like get to work with you after like I had done a lot of other things and then be back and get the exact right help that I needed for the next stage in my business. And it's just fun. It's fun to not only be your client, but to be your peer and to be your friend. So I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that you slid into my DMs that day. I know. I'm so weird. It's fine. I'm a weirdo. And sometimes I look back on that and I'm like, God, I'm weird. And also that's great. (laughs) I'm like, we need people like you in the world. 
That's right. You like my weirdness. We're quirky. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. All right. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you if anyone's interested in working with you or stalking you in any sort of way. Well, the best place to stalk me, if that's what we're doing these days, is at Tavana Denise, T-A-V as in Victor, O-N-A-D-E-N-I-S-E on Instagram. That is the best place to find out who I am, what I'm up to, what I'm like when I'm not coaching people. That's the place. Do you have a podcast again or no? Uh, just follow me there. You'll find out if and when all the things happen. Okay. I I tend to have podcasts here and there. So okay. there's, there's probably another one in the works. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm telling you guys, you should follow Tavana because she always has really great things to say. And I mean, it's just a constant learning opportunity for you. So go find her, follow her. And thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. And we will see you guys all next time. Recently, the group coaching program for November just closed its doors. So if you missed out, make sure you get on my email list by going to the mfrcoach.com and signing up to be on the wait list for those emails. And I will hopefully see you in January for the next round of group coaching. And I'll see everybody next week on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coach's Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars. Keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list, follow me on social media at the MFR coach, and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, themfrcoach.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.